what is your content and how are you creating that in a consistent basis in a prolific way that brings people to you, attracts the right people, and it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, so content has to be a part of this. And I say that because for your audience, they're probably already there. But if you meet a lot of coaches and consultants out there, uh, they're missing that piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah. They're great at the one-to-one -one in their local market, but they've never, they hit a wall in terms of their opportunity of growth because they haven't expanded to being a thought leader on content that, that goes nationwide. Right. Welcome back to Podcast Launchpad. I'm Kelly. We've talked before about the importance of creating a strong brand for your podcast and how essential branding is to making your podcast stand out as unique. Today, I'm chatting with Brandon Berkmeyer of Brands on Brands about how creating a strong personal brand can increase the uniqueness of your podcast and help you grow your podcast. Brandon is a marketing consultant, a brand strategist specializing in personal branding, podcasting, and content marketing. Brandon is also the host of the Brands on Brands podcast, which is consistently ranked as a top 100 marketing podcast. Welcome, Brandon. I am so happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to see what we're going to dive into. Absolutely. It's such an important topic that I think too many podcasters overlook or don't quite take seriously enough. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think that the the media of podcasting is such an amazing tool. So a lot of your listeners, a lot of people who are out there using their voice, creating their identity with their voice, they've already taken the first steps. You know, they've already put themselves out there as a personal brand. So I think that this is, you know, for your listeners, definitely going to be another way to look at it, but they've already started the journey. And that's what I'm excited about. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that they've already started the journey. So now let's let's improve, right? <laughs> so you were in marketing and advertising for nearly 20 years. And when you left corporate advertising, you say that you realized you had no authority in your industry and that you had essentially built a resume, but not a reputation. So how did personal branding help change all of that for you? Yeah. So I think like a lot of us, when you know, you're know you in a corporate environment, figuring out how to get your seat at the table and how to be the person who's in control of your own destiny uh, is something, you know, as you're getting older, you have the experience. It's something that you set as a goal for yourself. And the only way I was going to get there was through some type of reputation that like represented me in a way that would get me there. And I realized when I left corporate, I wanted to you know, start marketing, consulting, that whole thing, you know, being on my own entrepreneur. And I realized that there were some things that were missing. Uh, the first was I didn't have a network. You know, I had a lot of colleagues and I had a lot of clients in my industry, but none of them were going to be my next clients in this new kind of position, this new role I've taken on. So I realized that I didn't have the network I needed. And that happens to a lot of us. You pivot careers, you change course, suddenly you have a different demographic, a different customer base, and you have no network there. So that was the first problem is I had no network to serve. And then beyond that, the people that I did meet, if they looked me up after we met in person and we shook hands, then they would Google me afterwards and be like, there's nothing online other than your resume on LinkedIn yeah. to tell me anything about you other than a job history. And for a lot of people, that's not enough because a resume doesn't give you a sense of perspective. Like what is this person about? What are their ideas? Do they 
does what they say align with what I'm trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Um, because there is a, there's a partnership there when you're working in this way. So that was the second piece is I didn't have any type of examples online of what my thoughts were. Mm-hmm. And I think those kinds of things, perspective uh, and some type of thought leadership is what leads to authority. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't have any you know, experience. I didn't have any examples of, hey, here's how I've solved this problem for someone like you, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone like I used to serve. Yeah. So I started down this road not having these things. And the first step I took was to start getting those ideas out of my head. Like, what is my thoughts on all of these different topics across marketing and branding? And in the process of me sharing ideas and having conversations, I started to realize that that's how I found my message, my authority was through using my voice. So like a lot of the podcasters out there, especially if they have some type of uh thought leadership authority expert type podcast they're a coach they're a consultant right. uh using their voice every week starts to you know you're not just talking about what's happening you're giving your perspective on what's happening and that practice really led me down the road of becoming a personal brand if, if that makes sense oh totally yeah and you're so right about that putting out there your thoughts and ideas and and we'll get into this with, with podcasting but personality as well because your resume can demonstrate obviously experience it can demonstrate a degree of expertise but people don't hire resumes they hire people well at least for one-on-one like this you know corporate may still <laughs> hire resumes <laughs> at yeah. least that's that's the first you know uh hurdle that you have to jump over. But yeah, people want our ideas and to know what we're really thinking. And you'd say it's even in corporate, like to a certain degree at like maybe the beginning levels, they just use resumes. But when they start looking for like the the top of the, the food chain, like who's going to sit at that executive table, they're actually trying to bring in someone that has some type of dynamic experience mm-hmm. that can bring in clients that people could be impressed with and say, this is why you should join us, this person. And that's hard to get strictly staying on a corporate you know, career path. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so how does personal branding differ from branding a business or even branding your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, let's just start with like, what does personal branding mean? So if you're just talking branding, it's reputation, right? So mm-hmm. in this case, we're talking about the reputation of a person versus a business. And in, in the case of podcasters, like that's like a, a media channel, right? So for me, it's a lot of the same steps, but when you think about what they offer, at the end of the day, they're all trying to help someone, right? A business is trying to serve a customer. A podcaster is trying to serve an audience. And if you're a personal brand, you're trying to serve your client base or whoever it is that you are interacting with. But the what ends up being a little bit different and nuanced is that when your business is products and services, the you talk about that differently than you do when your product is content, right? Mm-hmm. So how do I build like content as my product? Like what's the reputation of my content versus the reputation of my services is a very different kind of methodology but personal branding, it's the reputation of you, right? So I like to think about it like this to make it like an easier an example. If I'm starting a brand new show and my reputation is zero, I don't know anyone in the industry, I'm at a very different advantage or starting point than someone whose reputation is huge. So 
I'd even say if I had, you know, 200 shows in, in a specific topic, if suddenly Oprah starts a show the next day on the exact same topic, I lose. Yeah. Right. It's not because like her one episode is better than my 250. It's because she came to this to the table with a personal brand already. And that comes with a history of ideas, opinions and actions that have brought people around who she is as a person. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So and this may be jumping ahead, but we need a personal brand to help boost our podcast. But do you also see podcasting as a way to boost our personal brand? Yeah, you know, I think podcasting is a great way to create content. Uh, I think when I'm approaching this, I like to say, choose your medium. Mm -hmm. Podcasters have chosen podcasting, right? But I tried them all. I tried blogging. I tried podcasting. I tried YouTubing. You know, I tried social media posting. And the one that was most natural for me where I could get my ideas out in a way that I was excited to sit down every week and create content and share my ideas was podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I like the format. I like solo shows. I like interviews. I like all of it, yeah. uh, all for different reasons. So it was my mode of creation. And I think that as a starting point per, for a personal brand is great because you are having conversations, you're sharing your ideas. So podcasting is a way to create content amazing the problem is as a discovery tool podcasting has a problem Mm -hmm. they're not the most uh friendly to anyone who's not in the top 100 200 shows in any given category so it's it's like writing a book and then putting it on the back shelf if no one like finds it then it makes it hard to stay motivated to create it so I think that's that's where things start to differ, you know, personal branding versus podcasting. I think at the end of the day, if you think of yourself as a personal brand, you're opening up the opportunity to be discovered because you're not just beholden to one channel, one place. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And like you, podcasting is my thing. I've tried the I didn't dive into YouTube, even though I put my episodes on YouTube, you know, it's a little bit different. But yeah, podcasting compared to blogging, just adore podcasting. So yeah, that's my thing. (laughs) And so why is it so important? Or how does your personal brand help you boost your podcast? So yeah, I think it's a mindset thing, right? So at the end of the day, uh, the difference between the two is that now if you are if you're like I'm a personal brand I have a show on this topic you're now saying okay how do I get out there and put this show everywhere mm-hmm. right I've created it I did the job of making it in a way that's comfortable what's next so yeah. audience growth is typically the second step and if you take yourself out of being a podcaster and say I am now a personal brand you're addressing the audience growth question very differently. And I like to think of it like this. You need marketing to grow an audience. It's it's mm-hmm. pretty plain and simple, right? Other than PR. Right. Yeah. Uh, and marketing is a couple of things. It's your message and it's your audience. And mm-hmm. it's the attention that you can get from an audience. So message plus attention. Mm-hmm. The message part, a lot of podcasters has figured out, but I'd even say that some of them, if they're having trouble with the attention piece. Some of them also might need to look at their message. Is it the right message for the right audience that's trying to deliver on a specific goal? Mm-hmm. So in some cases, as an example, if you are an accountant and you said, you know what I should do? You know, say you're an accountant that helps like uh, 10 person size companies are smaller, right? Mm-hmm. You're that type of accountant. And you're like, oh, I guess I should start a podcast so I can get my knowledge out there, be an expert in the industry and such and such. If you start a podcast about accounting, Guess who's going to listen to it? Accountants. 
accountants, right? It's the, it's the wrong message for yeah. your customer. If your intention is to create customers that, that find you because of your content, you've created now the wrong show. Mm -hmm. uh, so figure out what do entrepreneurs listen to and what kind of show could you build that brings them into the fold that tells those stories. And then you can become the financial person that gives that perspective or whatever it is. But I think a lot of us create the wrong show for our goal, mm -hmm. right? So for in, in my case, uh, my clients kind of are all over the board, but I do work with a lot of consultants, coaches, that kind of thing. But I didn't create a show for consultants either. You know, I mm -hmm. went down this road, but my intention, my goal was not to use my podcast as a lead generator. Mm -hmm. My goal was to use my podcast as a clout builder so okay. and a relationship builder. So I have a show about marketing. It's called Brands on Brands. And we've pivoted over the years, but mostly now it's about personal branding and content marketing. And I bring people on the show that are experts in the industry because there are so many different channels in marketing. There's, you know, Instagram, all the different social media channels, content creation, content marketing, email, all the things. And I like to have conversations about all of them. So I bring in all these individual experts and they can share the very specific tactical things on the show that are interesting to, to my clients. Mm -hmm. And, but the people that listen to it tend to be other marketing people, oddly enough. Wow. That's so, wild. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, well, it didn't become a lead generator, but what it did do is now I have relationships. So when I do teach people, I have all the best lessons from the best people in the in the business. They're like, how do I grow a YouTube channel, Brandon? Well, I know two of the top YouTubers out here mm -hmm. uh, in the business space. Like, let me bring them in to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, or I have relationships now with people who speak on stages because of that or write books, and I have access to them, and they could say, hey, Brandon, I can get you on these stages. Now that we're friends, we're connections. So I think of it as an influence builder, yeah. and that is just a different approach. Um, so we started with the messaging side, and that's, mm -hmm. I think, getting your message right for what your goal is, is, is part one. But we yeah. can dive into the attention side too, which is the audience growth side, if, if that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. And with the messaging side real quick, there are too many podcasters who will start out with a show that's too broad and they haven't, like you said, narrowed down their message, message or really honed it to their specific audience. And so it's not necessarily that there's a mismatch in that case, right? It's that the podcast may be too all over the place. Yeah, again, I think it depends on your goal, right? If yeah. your if your goal is this podcast needs to have a very large audience, mm -hmm. then sometimes you can build that faster by niching down into mm -hmm. something specific and trending, yeah. and that is your own kind of red ocean, your own place that no one has really played before. You can become the yeah. leader in that space. But I would argue there's an advantage to both types of podcasts. Uh, my podcast is pretty broad. And what that allowed to me to do, especially when you're starting out, I didn't know which niche I wanted to pick. pick. And a lot of the time, the that niche they want that kind of feels right mm -hmm. or that, that could be right, that other people would say it right, doesn't feel right to you. So for example, the you know I spent with all those years in advertising, I spent a lot of time on retail clients, a lot of uh, restaurants, uh, franchise businesses, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I could have started you know, a restaurant marketing podcast, or I could have started the CP, you know, consumer packaged goods podcast or the mm -hmm. retail marketing podcast. But that felt like a, a really small pigeonhole yeah. for, for someone who didn't want to necessarily only be known for that thing. Yeah. So for me, having a broader based content 
bucket, like branding, mm-hmm. uh, allowed me to jump around, create a lot of content. Uh, in fact, I did 95 episodes that were all over the board, but still within you know this broad topic. Right. And then I got to look backwards in time and say, you know what? There's some themes here. There's some trends here. Mm-hmm. So I could say, you know what? Mo- you know, a third of my shows were about were marketing for entrepreneurs. A third were about social media, and a third were about uh, content marketing and personal branding. And I was like, that little space I like better. Mm. I could keep the name of my show Brands on Brands because it's broad, yeah. but I can pivot the subject matter to go slightly deeper. Mm-hmm. So I think like the name of the show versus the content you create for the show can yeah. be two different things. Like my title can stay broad to give me room to grow as I grow as a personal brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but the t- things I talk about in any given season, I try to keep those like as niche as possible in terms of like topics. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so let's talk a little about that attention side then. Yeah, so I, growing an audience is obviously I think the bane of a lot of podcasters' existence <laughs> because you create, you do all this work to create content every week to produce the content, to brainstorm it, to record it, to edit it, to distribute it, and then you got to promote it to people. And you know the average podcast, and I know the numbers change, and everyone says a different number, but the one I had heard was like in somewhere between one hundred and two hundred. Uh, listeners is the average of most podcasts out there yeah. uh, per episode. And that can be very uh, disheartening, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think the reason that is, is because we are thinking the podcast is doing the work for us of bringing an audience. So if I'm thinking about uh, the attention side of my business, I think there's a couple of steps here. Uh, and if I had to kind of diagnose this and create a system for it because at the end of the day you need to set priorities because there's a million things you can do in marketing which is why it's so hard as a podcaster to figure out what to do next because there's a a million ideas yeah uh so i think of them in a couple buckets uh one is i call it one to zero this is you are the one and you're creating something that doesn't organically have an audience yet so it's one to zero that's like building a website building a podcast building any kind of asset that still needs something to fill it right for it to be effective but those are important but the way for those to start to get filled is they need to be optimized in some way for the discovery mechanisms so Mm -hmm. your website needs to be optimized for search from google your podcast needs to be optimized for search through the podcast players if you end up pushing that to youtube and to social media those need to be optimized for search and findability on those platforms so i I think of them like that's the starting point right Why do you optimize? The next, I call it one-to-one. Mm-hmm. And this is where a lot of new podcasters can get past that first 100 to 200 listenership to push to 1,000 mm-hmm. is the one-to-one outreach. And I think this is where when you're thinking like a personal brand, you really strive and you see the success of people from doing this. Mm-hmm. One-to-one is outreach. It's boots on the ground. It's you getting out there and going to where your people are, mm-hmm. going to where the audience is already congregating. Not They're not coming to you. You're coming to them. I, I like to say that if you want someone to like you, you have to like them first. Right. right? <laughs> and that's what it is. This is all this is. And I think a lot of us, like we like being on our little studio cave. You yeah. know, a lot of us are introverts. Even the extroverts don't necessarily want to leave our home to go to a networking right. event. Or it's to easy to, to hi- it's easy to hide behind our podcasts. Why not? Right? Yeah. It's, it's a safe space. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to put ourselves out there and get rejected. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the one to one side, I think, is completely underestimated. And when you start to get into the habit of it and forcing yourself to 
every week, say, what am I doing this week to create some kind of outreach? And outreach can be literally attending an event. It could be reaching out to people that are already in your network. It can be reaching out to new people that are in virtual spaces that you're you're joined. It could be engaging in a community online that you're a participant in, that you're a community member in. It's a lot of things, but that's what it takes to start to build that first thousand people that are your fans. It takes that one-to-one outreach where you're doing the work. Yeah, yeah, really reaching out. It, I, I think people are surprised once they get into podcasting and discover how much work it is. Not to dissuade anyone at all because it's worth it, but yeah, it, it takes more. Like, you know, I teach using your podcast as a marketing tool for your business, but you still have to market your podcast as well. Yeah, and what's great is once you have, I think a lot of people, they started that part and then they don't have a system for after mm-hmm. they meet people for then bringing them into their world a little bit more. It's like, okay, great to meet you, you know? Yeah. Uh, so systematizing the actual process, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of think of myself as a business coach for content creators. Like there's a hard skill that involves building relationships and build and then taking those relationships, establishing trust and finding a way to serve those audiences so that one day if they're a fit, they might choose you as some type of service provider or client, right? If that's, if your business works like that. So there's a skill there and it takes a certain amount of like understanding of the follow-up, the conversations and the things you need to have. And a lot of it is, is one-on-one conversations. You know, how do I turn these starting conversations into some type of relationship. Yeah. Uh, that's so that's the one to one side. I think the the next step, uh, which again, there's a lot of fear to get past is I call it one to few. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is where you're like, how do I get a few people at a time? And this is a big level of this is partnerships. Mm-hmm. It's somehow engaging in a community that's established, but as an authority. So for a lot of people, this could be speaking. It's, you know, how do you, instead of just being someone in the networking event, how do you be the person in front of the room at the networking event or on the stage at the conference so that you now are speaking to an audience that someone else has started to congregate? Mm -hmm. Uh, The other way to think about partnerships is literally finding other people in your industry, in your field uh, that see you as a peer and collaborating with them. So again, as, as my show started to grow, all these people that I had on my show that I looked up to that were writing books in the space that were already thought leaders were already speaking on stages. Once they were on the show, there's a relationship. And some of the time they would ask, why don't you come back on my show? And we could talk about this again, or I'd actually have to get out there and say, Hey, everyone, I'm launching something. I have a new message, a new campaign. Uh, I'm looking for people who are interested in letting me share my story. Mm-hmm. And there's some reciprocity there. They're willing to bring you back on the show. Yeah. Um, so partnering with others is huge. I mean, you could you, you could see it, right? There's always some story of, you know, this little known something wasn't big until some influencer discovered it, loved it, shared it with their audience, you know, and they blew up overnight. And it's right. the power of, of people who already have influence mm-hmm. uh, cannot be overlooked. Absolutely. And that is something that is just so powerful and brilliant about podcasting is it does give you that easy opportunity to build your network, make those connections. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think it's it's huge. It's completely underutilized. Uh, that's why it's why when you go to a lot of conferences and anyone who's been to a podcast conference knows the main thing they talk about is posting on social media and guesting on other podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk about posting on social media in a minute, but Guesting on other people's podcasts is another, it is a good way to get on other shows that already have audiences. I think the, I think it's 
maybe a little overrated. I have, if I had to judge it, yes, I think it's effective, but I think it's the only thing people talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you maybe like one listener from the show today says, you know, I thought Brandon was interesting, you know, decides to take that extra step to go and find my show and subscribe to it and then come in. Like that's a lot of steps. And a lot of people were like, I got the knowledge I needed today. Uh, I'm going to go back to work or I'm going to go, you know, I just finished my jog and they're not, they're not ready to take the next step or to follow along. So it's a long game. It can be effective here or there, but it can't be the only strategy you have. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've had a few people on the show talking about how to be a podcast guest and leverage that opportunity and everything. And I do love it. And, you know, obviously I've guests on my show and it you're right. It can't be the only strategy. We have to go out and do more than that and relying on any guest appearance to just make your download skyrocket, for example, or, or have people reach out to you, whatever your call to action is in that guest appearance is, is unrealistic. Cause like you said, it does take several steps for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's a long game. These things are effective, but again, it's one of the many tools in the tool belt. So prioritizing kind of becomes the the name of the game and honestly getting on the right podcast. Cause you can get on a podcast that like if they have less than 10 episodes and they've just been established, you, you probably not get reaching many people, yeah. if any. Yeah. Uh, and then the and then if the if they're bigger shows, they're just it's really hard to get on those shows. So it's right. kind of a catch twenty two. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the last piece I'd say is the one to many. Mm-hmm. This is you know how do you reach a lot of people? You know not not just a few people, but like a lot a lot of people. And this is where like for a lot of the podcasters that are going to be listening to this, it's the kind of strategy that some people just aren't ready for until they've done these other things first, because it's a lot of work and it either takes an intense amount of time and a good set of systems or money. And the things I'm talking about are either high volume posting of mm-hmm. social media and things like that. Uh, I call it prolific content distribution, right? Uh, or, and paid promotion. Yeah. So some type of system for, for you know, spending money to extract audiences from these channels. And those right. two things are not easy to do. Uh, and even high volume posting, like people are like, oh no, I post on social media all the time. But when you actually ask them, not many of them are posting more than two, three times a week, if that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of getting content out there. Yeah. And for these things to really turn on in a measurable way, if you like a lot of the gurus I talk to, a lot of the people I interview, the truth is when they saw like measurable increase in what it in what they create we're creating we're talking two three times a day at least minimum uh which for a lot of podcasters is just a is a deal breaker and it's a deal breaker because the time it's the time it takes to even repurpose content and create that many things and then to schedule and post that content i don't care if you're batching or not that type of time takes a team yes uh it takes a team. It takes systems. I call it actually. I call it rules, tools, and pools. It takes the rules are like it takes a full set of strategic operating procedures. Mm-hmm. It takes tools that you know how to like. I need. I use this system for editing. I use this system for graphics, and then wow. I, a pool of talent. Like it takes a some kind of a graphic designer, a social media man. It takes a team. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so it's just not real, or it takes money, and you're like, okay, how am I paying to get all this stuff done? Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, so. Yeah. That's the, that's the end of the story for that. And then the, the one little 
thing I would mention for paid promotion is I don't necessarily mean paying for people to listen to your episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean paying as a personal brand to build out attention in your industry, usually through some type of email list building uh, scenario and situation. That's the fastest way to grow an audience as a personal brand is through email list building. So, okay, great, and that does make sense. You know, it, it everything seems to come back to list building and nurturing your email list. Doesn't it, it? It does, and it, I think it's kind of a, people are like, oh yeah, I tried that, I created a PDF download like they told me, I have my checklist, I put it on my website, I talk about it on my podcast, uh, and maybe, maybe some of those people ran ads to it. Yeah. And I think where where you can actually tell uh, that they've tried it or not is, if you ask them, did you actually run ads towards your thing? And a lot of them will be like, well, no, because I didn't feel like my thing was good enough uh, yeah. to spend money on, right? And it's like, well, yeah. if it wasn't good enough to spend money on ads for, then it's probably not a good enough standalone uh, freebie as is. Right. So I think there are some industries where that kind of PDF thing still works. Like, and I think it's very rare. It's like you'd have to have written the ultimate guide to whatever it is that no one else could write. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think the industry's gone video at this point. I think if you haven't created some type of mini course, some kind of thing that people should be paying $100 for, but you're giving it away for free in your industry, um, that maybe even comes with some type of one-to-one conversation and coaching or whatever it might be. If you're not giving that level of, of an offer, you are drowning in ad costs at that point because mm-hmm. there's the conversion is just so so high so what people usually have to build is a full ecosystem that is you know it's like the the click funnels the the whole ecosystem what you know if, if you haven't looked it up i think value ladder is the best kind of word for it but uh, if you google value ladder it'll explain like the hierarchy of offers you need to build from you know at, at all different price ranges zero dollars ten dollars a hundred dollars constructing all these offers that lead to your main thing that you do Mm -hmm. and then understanding how an ad cycle would be built to support that is a whole other level of expertise uh and it's expensive to hire out so i think it's a reason why a lot of people don't get there because it's Mm -hmm. it's like learning like me learning how to be a doctor you know it's just yeah it's it's a lot of work yeah, and with all of your years' experience in marketing and advertising, you've got that expertise there that it's really hard to learn from just watching videos, reading blog posts, and listening to podcasts. You know, most people really do need that personal help with it. it they do, they do, and I think it's valuable, and I think it's, I think people want a shortcut, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not even what I'd recommend to most people. What I'd recommend are those things we talked about earlier. I still think not enough people are optimizing for search. Yeah. They're not doing all the outreach and boots on the ground and networking and establishing themselves in a market and engaging communities. And they're not finding partnerships with other creators that can yeah. that can put them on. I think doing that, for if you've done that for three years consistently, uh, you should have already seen traction. Yeah. Um, and you can always be doing it better. You know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's just always something extra to be learning in the marketing space. Right. And I love that you just said like three years because none of this is overnight unless you're like Oprah. I mean, and she took years to build her years and years to build her reputation. But when it comes to starting a podcast, you already have a massive following, fabulous reputation. You start a podcast, you've got built in followers. Yeah. Or, I mean, built in listeners already. Yeah, let's talk about that because it's funny is I feel like content creation in general or podcasting 
is one of the few things people think that they can do overnight and become a success. And it just baffles me. Uh, I, I think the right mindset is to think of yourself like a musician would think of themselves, some type of artist who, or an actor, whatever it is, someone who's like, they commit to this at some point in their life and they say, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so every year they're practicing, they're getting better at it, they're developing their skills, they're putting something out, hoping it gets traction. It's their first album, which wasn't great. You know, they're gigging around town, they're trying to perfect live performances, all those things. And maybe, maybe after 10 years of struggle and and getting in and knowing the right people and creating the right partnerships and someone finally saying, you know what, I'll give you a shot. Maybe their album sees the light of day and they get one hit, you know, maybe. So it's like, I don't want it to sound like it's that crazy, but it is like Mm -hmm. being a successful content creator, personal brand podcaster takes that kind of commitment. I think there is a, a better, uh, what's the word, a better safety net underneath, which is it doesn't have to be the only thing you do there. You know, while you're building your personal brand, that might also help you get a job. It might also help you get promoted in what you're already doing. It might also help you land a couple of clients that you were close to landing, but then they saw your, you know, online, some of your presence starting to show up and they're like, that's enough proof for me. Like I'll work with you already. But thinking that you can become a content creator and then monetize via sponsorships and ads overnight uh, and that an audience is just going to magically show up, uh, it's just the wrong mindset for this type of industry. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely takes time. So personal branding for a minute. (laughs) Um, What are some steps that you would suggest that listeners can start off to begin to build their personal brand? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think they've started the step, but I think of personal branding as a, there's a framework here. Uh, and I think of it as three kind of legs to a stool, right? Mm-hmm. The first is content. Uh, the second is community. And the third is impact. Mm-hmm. And this may not work for everyone, but it's a model that I've seen work for most of the kind of expert podcast creators, not necessarily like if you're an entertainer and this and your whole job is to be like funny or something, I don't know if it's going to work for you, but those three buckets I've found tend to be the important pieces and I'll explain them a little bit. Uh, content is going to be, you have to have some type of message that resonates with an audience that you want to serve that identifies you in your industry as an authority. So what is your content and how are you creating that in a consistent basis in a prolific way that brings people to you, attracts the right people, and it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, so content has to be a part of this. And I say that because for your audience, they're probably already there. But if you meet a lot of coaches and consultants out there, uh, they're missing that piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah. They're great at the one-to-one in their local market, but they've never they hit a wall in terms of their opportunity of growth because they haven't expanded to being a thought leader on content that that goes nationwide, right. uh, and building some kind of authority through that. Uh, so content is definitely a piece of it, uh, and I'd even say that that content needs to be a little bit more distributed than just your podcast. I think being distributed across pillar content platforms, which is video and YouTube and blogs on your website are critical for this to actually play out over time. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that those two things are more important than social media for a lot of the creators out there in the world, because I think it's quicker to scale that than it is to scale social media on a daily basis. Oh, true. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you can put out a blog a week, a podcast a week, put the podcast on YouTube or chop it up into shorter clips and 
Yeah. yeah. And you still have to promote on social media, but yeah, you don't have to be a, what you call, what did you, or what was your phrase? Um, high production? Yep. No. Yeah. Pro- yeah. Prolific. Yeah. Yeah, prolific. And I think at the end of the day, uh, what people, I think what they're investing in typically is that one-off attention, mm-hmm. which is social media, because you put it up and it's gone the next day and it's still gone after a couple hours. What I'd like you to invest your time in, if you have to pick something, because we're all limited on time, I'd rather you pick recurring attention, like build mm-hmm. an attention asset like your podcast is, right? It's something, it's a catalog that when they find one, they can binge and they can see a few others. They start to show up in Google search as results. And so everyone who's out there actively trying to seek answers to a problem, when you build an attention asset that is a recurring attention asset, you show up every time. And you don't know which episode it's gonna be, right? So I have a podcast that goes out every week and I convert them to blogs and YouTube uh, videos. And every now and then, every fifth or 10th episode, one of them hits. And Mm -hmm. Google's like, you know what? This is a topic that people have been asking about. I'm going to move you to the top of the search results. And I never Mm -hmm. know which one it's going to be, right? It's always the one I didn't think. Right. Uh, And then YouTube will choose a different one. Like YouTube's like, well, that blog didn't work. Like that episode didn't work for us. Like that worked for the blog, but it did work for YouTube. Like they're like, no, this episode uh, is one that people are searching for over here. And it's fine. I think sometimes for me personally, interviews tend to work better on YouTube and personal shows tend to work better as blogs. So, you know, I kind of lean into what I think is going to work. But anyway, the point was, if you can be across all of them, what's great is once it starts delivering traffic, it just keeps doing it every month over and over again. Uh, And that is something like that's a better return on my investment. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Better return on investment than just yeah. focusing on social media. And so you were going to get to the third part. Yeah. So community and impact are the next two. So like community, I'd say is kind of the more, uh, it's harder to explain uh, in real life, but what, what, how I like to say it is once you've created content, you need to build an audience around it. And a lot of this is what we were talking about in the outreach section. It's how do you get out there and, and reach out to people who are already in communities and convert them into yours. And that community piece is huge because you can't serve anybody unless they're already around you and like have already built that trust, right? Uh, They've gone from knowing you to liking you to trusting you. So community is that piece that I think a lot of people have the hardest time with. Uh, It's, it baffled me for a long time because figuring out like, I'm like, no, I have a show, I have an audience, but they're like in the ether. I don't know who they are, right? right? So <laughs> bringing them into my world and becoming real people that I can have conversations with is a huge piece of that. And then the third piece of the personal brand framework is, do you have some kind of impact that you're creating? And that what that means is the audience you're talking to, that community you're building, what do they need help with? Mm-hmm. And when you're interacting with them, you find out, right? And you're not just building some random product or service you're asking them what they what they need help with and you solve them based on what you can contribute. So that impact piece I think is huge because at the end of the day, if you're just creating content and community, there are people who are like, oh, I'm in this world, this is fun to listen to. But if they leave to get their problems solved by someone else, they're probably gonna stay with them instead of you. And that's a customer loyalty thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was interviewing this uh, amazing author, his name's Mark Schaefer. Uh, he's got a book called Marketing Rebellion. And in that book, he did some research and the lesson he shared with us on the show was that there's a certain quality uh, that leads to customer loyalty. You know, it's the truth is that most of us, uh, when they survey people, they're like, 
do you care if these brands like disappeared overnight, like very popular brands and like 80% yeah. of the brands, like no one cared if they disappeared overnight, they just switched to the next thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when they started to measure, well, what is loyalty about? There was only one factor that really stood out as the, what drives people to come back and be repeat purchases and not switchers to something else. And that's some creating some type of shared meaningful experience mm -hmm. with your audience, with your customers, with your people. Wow. And the only way to do that is by creating an impact, yeah. right? So content isn't strong enough to be that thing. It's not yeah. an experience. It's just kind of this thing that you listen to that's sometimes fun, mm -hmm. sometimes not. But I think when you're actually out there serving people, you find their problems, you solve them in a meaningful way. And that could be you creating an experience, throwing an event, gathering people together, uh, offering some kind of coaching, whatever the thing is, you finding out how to solve someone's problem uh, is the way to create that impact that's going to create that personal brand where people want to talk about you, want to share their stories about you, and in the end, elevate your presence as an industry thought leader and create influence. Mm, that's awesome. And that impact, like you were saying, really goes hand in hand with the community aspect or they're, they're very tightly connected because once you have that community, then that's where you're creating the impact. And I love what you said about the shared experience. It's like, or what it makes me think of is I don't have cable anymore, so I actually don't have access to live TV. But when I did, I loved the idea of watching something that I knew a bunch of other people were watching at the same time. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's minor compared to the, you know, content and getting clients that we're talking about, but it was still that, sh that sense of a shared experience. And so if I am part of a community, whether it's a podcasting community, a social media community, I do like that sense of we're doing this together. And one thing about the content that, that actually lasts like years and years over time, there tend to be the content that have fandoms, right? Yes. They tend to be the content that where people, they, they didn't just watch a show, binge it, and then switch to the next show and the next show. The fans got involved. They got involved in the storytelling. They got together at events, they wore costumes, you know, they, they shared their debates about what the ideas were in the show. Those experiences of those audiences coming together in community uh, started to create, you know, a fandom that carried on over the years. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely something to this, this shared experience of the audience. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. So how important is consistency when it comes to personal branding? Well, I think like I, like I, you know, we were talking about before at the end of the day, if, if you aren't committed to this, it's a mindset thing. If you aren't doing this every day and getting better at your craft, uh, then it's not going to work for you. And I think there's two kind of pieces to consistency. I think one is making a commitment to yourself that I'm going to be doing this and you can pick a period of time. Uh, you know, I'm going to be doing this a year or two years or, or whatever it is before I analyze myself and decide, is this for me? Mm -hmm. uh, I, you can analyze yourself along the way and make it better, but you can't question whether this is the right decision for you every week, every month, because it's going to create this amazing sense of imposter syndrome that you're going to just be chewing yourself up every week, every month that the numbers didn't match, didn't work. Yeah. But if you pick one time a year to say, is this still the right path for me? 
then you have 12 months of just doing the job, putting in the work and getting better. And I guarantee you at the end of one year of not judging yourself, you're gonna be pretty proud of what you were able to accomplish. If you were out there every week, meeting people, creating content, collaborating, and getting your perspective out of your head and out into the world, that consistency is gonna benefit you personally. No matter what, you'll grow. Uh, whether that audience is coming with you is just a matter of, of process and of time. It's possible that you've done 12 months worth of shows, 52 episodes, and that no one listened because some of the steps were wrong or the message was off for the audience. Maybe mm -hmm. it's time to reevaluate and rejigger and maybe figure out why it is that this isn't working. Um, yeah. But you have Instead to give it a chance. Instead of just quitting at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. But you have to give yourself a chance. Uh, I love analyzing and deciding, is this for me? Do I need to pivot? But I can't yeah. do it every week or it's going to kill me, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but exactly. I think the other part of consistency is just at the end of the day, there is something about uh, like the cumulative effect of doing work that once you start something, the proof of having five episodes versus the proof of having 200 episodes is very different. You know, so every subscriber that shows up when you have 200 episodes has the opportunity to subscribe and go through all this archive of stuff uh, and and adds to your listenership. Uh, they have the opportunity to also be indexed of certain categories of topics. So, mm -hmm. like I said, in branding and marketing, a lot of topics. But now I can say, you know, what are just my shows about Facebook or just yeah. my shows about TikTok? And, you know, if I've got not just one episode, but I've got 20 or 30 episodes about that topic. Yeah. Uh, there's just this cumulative effect. And as I mentioned, every time I create a recurring asset, that starts to bring me attention. So every you know five or 10 episodes, there's a new thing that kicks off and says that was that's working. Mm -hmm. And those you know 10 people, 50 people, 100 people, 1,000 people that are now finding me every month because of that one trigger, they're just, that stays there and it just starts piling on top of each other um, every time something works. So there's a cumulative effect to this. It's just, uh, you know, like a macro economic, you know, efficiency right. scale type thing <laughs> yes. that smarter people than me understand. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I absolutely am with you on that, giving it at least a year, you know, checking it a year, because less than that just isn't enough time to make sure it's right for you or to figure out what's working and what's not working. So, yeah. And I guess it's consistency matched with, I think, a certain amount of quality. Like I think what's frustrating me is when people say done is better than perfect, but I think done needs to be defined because creating something that no one wants to listen to that looks bad is also not going to work. So it's like if you bake a cake because you want to, you know, like that, there's that nailed it trend that happened where, you know, yes. there's this perfect cake and then you try to make it look just as perfect as this thing. And it's totally terrible. It's like a monstrosity. No one's going to eat that cake. No. Done is not good enough. No. So I think there's a, there's a comparison piece. Like in your industry, the shows that are already existing, are you creating something that is not just an interesting listen, but has the branding to it, has the professionalism, has the right sound quality, has the right cover art, has strong titles that bring people in? You know, are you doing all the right things that establish your show as worthy of listening to or being chosen? out of the other options because most likely you're not the only person creating content about your thing. Right. Absolutely. 
Yes. Uh, all right. And so when we get to that point of checking in every year, how can we measure the effectiveness of our personal brand and, and branding in general? Yeah. So, you know, the, I, I come from like, an, again, that an established kind of traditional ad agency background. And there's a lot of models for measuring success. You have to determine for yourself what success looks like. Because as I mentioned, I'll give you some real things to talk about. But I want to mention this first, which is like, if success for you is growing your network, that's a very different measurement than if success for you is getting a speaking gig or success for you is driving website traffic or getting a sale. So figuring out what that is for you, I think is number one, like, even if I had zero listeners, there's so much other benefit that's come from me building a podcast and me having a show that also is on YouTube and on blogs. Uh, so I think that a, like, let's talk about goals, right? But beyond that, I think there is definitely an established model of success for being effective with personal branding or any kind of branding and marketing in general. Uh, the model from our world, there's a lot of different versions of it, but it's like the customer journey goes through a certain set of life cycles uh, and they're generally modeled as awareness at the top, interest, desire, and then action, yeah. right? So bringing people into your world that they just, do they know about you? How do you get people to know about you? You know, how are you not building a billboard in the desert or writing a book and putting it on the back shelf of a bookstore, right? How do you get people to find out about you? That has to be measured because if no one's discovering you, you can't do anything else. There's, you know, there's just no other step. So right. it starts with that. How do you get as many people that make sense to, to even have seen you once in passing as possible? That's awareness and that's all measurable, right? Yeah. You did this many things and this many people came through and listened for the first time or saw your website or saw your, you add up all these different touch points and say, this was the number and you compare it every month. Yeah. Uh, the second one is interest, uh, interest and desire. You can kind of combine together a lot of the time, but it's basically now that they've heard of you, did they put you in on your, on their list of things, right? Like if I want to listen to a show about health or fitness, are you even on the list? Like mm -hmm. a, did I hear about you? Cause mm -hmm. I can't put you on the list if I've never found you. Um, did I hear about you? And then did I put you on my list of, you know, these might be five of the shows that I would consider listening to. Uh, and then the next step of like, like is, I'm sorry, of uh, awareness, interest, desire. The desire is, am I at the top of the list? Mm -hmm. Like not this, did I make the list, but can I become your favorite yeah. and how do I get there? Uh, and then the last is action. You know, did they, go through and take the next step of actually picking you to take action and, and listen to your show. And in some case, but this model works for everything. It's marketing. Like did I, did right. they see my ad? Did they decide that they want to buy a couch? Did they show up at my store and purchase, you know, yeah. uh, this model is, it works. What personal branding, uh, gurus have done is they've made that language more relatable for humans, mm -hmm. uh, like a personal brand, which is they've said no like, and trust. It's yeah. the same thing. Do they know you? Did they, have they ever heard of you? You know, did they like you enough to put you on their list of people that like is interesting? And then did they trust you enough to be either being, you know, whatever the goal is, being a uh, recurring listener, being someone on your email list, being someone that purchases something from you? Yeah. Did they move down that funnel? But it's all the same model. Yeah. And it all takes time and it does begin with that awareness or knowing. Yeah. So creating or focusing on brand awareness for a while, however long that's going to take and making tweaks when something's not working. 
Yeah. And what's funny is if you, if you have a call to action, right, that like, if you know where you want people to go, mm -hmm. then these things are easy to measure. I think a lot of people, yeah. they don't know what the next step is. So they never invite anyone on this journey. They never bring yeah. them along the way. So if every week I'm just like, keep listening, then there's no progression to that. Yeah. They just tune in next week. But if instead I'm like, Hey, if you like this episode, you might also like my ultimate guide on how to do this thing. Mm -hmm. Then that brings them into this, okay, I might need that. If I need that, have I listened enough? Have I been nurtured enough to trust you to click that thing yes. and download it? And then if you're in that world, then it becomes a, hey, like if this was super interesting to you, do you want to work with me? Do you want to, whatever that thing, and you could track all of that, right? Yeah. It's this, yeah. This many eyeballs turned into this many leads or emails, or it doesn't have to be emails. It could be uh, direct messages. It could be Facebook DMs. It could be, you know, a Facebook group, whatever it is, but you're collecting people somewhere. Yeah. And then did now that I've collected them, is there some kind of one-to-one -one communication that's happened via email, direct message or something that's inviting them on the next step to some kind of actual uh, serving thing that I offer, whatever that might be. So yeah. you can measure each step of those things and figure out where do I need to work to improve. For a lot of people, it's going to be that very first step of are people even finding me. Right. Absolutely. And then, yeah, once they are listening, then we have to give specific calls to action or, you know, one main one per episode and make it very clear what we want our listeners to do next after listening to that episode. Yeah. I'll give you a hack. I'll make it real quick because I know yeah. like, we're uh We've talked about a lot of things today. Yes, uh, we have. <laughs> I think I think what what my mind shifted to when I started applying what I learned from advertising to my personal brand was that from this this little nuance of like when you invite people to take action, sometimes we we sit on our laurels. We find we maybe we create one lead magnet, right? But then we just kind of it's this thing that's just sitting there that we kind of mention every now and then, but it's just this thing that's kind of on on a low burn. Uh, what brilliant advertisers do, especially in the retail space, because I mean, if you think about it, any kind of store or restaurant or whatever it is, they, they have the same products every week, right? Yeah. But what they figured out is they need campaigns. So every couple of weeks, there's a new campaign that tries to give you an exciting reason to come in. Uh, it could be that there's a new product, like one new thing, like a new recombination of meat, cheese, and right. onions to create a taco or whatever. Yep. Uh, or it might just be, hey, this weekend, we have our Memorial Day sale, our Labor Day mm -hmm. sale, our 4th of July sale, our end of the year clearance sale. That's how they do it. But what they know works is you have to give people a reason to say, oh, something's happening. So like as a podcaster, you can do that. You can have campaigns, maybe just once a month to start and be like, what this month can I get it? Pe get people excited to talk about mm -hmm. and say, you know, like this month, so let's say you were a fitness coach this month, we're doing like, we have our nutrition challenge thing and we're excited to talk about it. This is what it's about. Get involved invite them in to do something, you know, and then next month, something else. It could be a challenge. It could just be some type of training or whatever it is, but having something to talk about that is news yeah. every month is going to be 12 times better than what you're already doing, which is probably just doing one thing all year. That was probably the same thing you did last year. Mm -hmm. That's great. Oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you. All right. So how can listeners find you if they want to work with you? And what are ways that they can work with you? 
Yeah. So I'm the host of the Brands on Brands podcast. Check that out while you're listening. Yeah. Uh, there's a website, brandsonbrands.com, where you can just find all my different connections and things and thoughts. Uh, but how they work with me, I like I said, I'm a business coach for content creators. So if you reach out to me on my website, you can email me, you can DM me, you can download one of my thingies. Uh, I help people. I work with people and I set up a call and I get to know them. If I can help them, great. If I just am sending them resources, that's fine too. Um, but my email is Brandon at brandsonbrands.com. Most people won't, listening won't do anything with that. So just go to the website. And if you're curious, learn a little bit more. Awesome. Nice and easy. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you so much for being here today. You shared so much awesome information. I really appreciate you for, for doing that and being here and giving something of, of such great value to my listeners. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you all for being here today. Be sure to follow this show so you don't miss a single episode. And I will see you next time on Podcast Launchpad.